You're listening to episode 216 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. Wounding and healing are two things that go hand in hand. We often crave that deep healing, especially when it weighs heavy, creates a dark cloud, or holds us back from forward progress. Today's guest is teaching us how to use Chiron to dive deeper into healing. Lisa Tai here is a psychotherapist, podcaster, and author of The Chiron Effect. Lisa enjoys speaking on topics related to psychoastrology, spirituality, emotional health, physical health, and mental well-being. Lisa is passionately committed to working with people to help them heal through all of the senses of the body by utilizing intuition therapy, energy healing, meditation, Reiki healing, crystal healing, nutrition, sound frequencies, yoga, exercise, podcasting, writing, and teaching. As a side note, Lisa's book was endorsed by the Dalai Lama. I mean, how freaking cool is that? We're diving deeper in just a bit, but first, this week's episode was brought to you by Spiritually Seeking. When you go to spiritually-seeking.com and enter the promo code PODCAST at checkout, you can save 20% on numerology reports, compatibility reports, card readings, and more. Visit spiritually-seeking.com and enter promo code PODCAST at checkout to save 20%. Now, are you ready to meet Lisa and learn how to heal? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Lauren, thank you so much for having me on. I have been looking forward as well. I have a bunch of questions for you today, but I am really curious because you have a unique background as a licensed clinical social worker who uses healing modalities such as Reiki, meditation, and psychoastrology. So I would love to learn more about your journey. How did you bridge this gap between social worker and healer? Sure, I'd love to answer that because as I've grown and evolved as a person, that's naturally been extended into my professional life and working with clients. I really am curious. I've always been such a curious person. And there are just so many unique ways to heal as individualized as there are people. And so the more that I learn and, and help myself to heal and go deeper in my own process of understanding how I make sense and how I work, I'm able to extend that to my clients. And I was born and raised in New Orleans, where I am today. I went out to Los Angeles about seven years ago and really fell in love with the energy and the ambition and the opportunity there. So mm -hmm. I've started living between Los Angeles and New Orleans about seven years ago. And it was there that I learned about Reiki healing, which is energy healing, through a practitioner, it uses just your own energetic rhythm, source energy to impart healing um, to physical issues, emotional issues, spiritual issues. And I felt like it's just such a wonderful kind of body-based way to help people. And in addition to doing the talk therapy and understanding patterns. And so I'll just take a little pause. It just I've naturally evolved in those yeah. ways. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating too that you were able to 
see how they could both overlap and really help each other in that way as, as well. Thank you. And then, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's so natural for most of us that are in the healing arts, healing profession, even artists, writers, just that desire to know oneself and another deeply. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to write my book as well. I became, as a therapist, um, frustrated, Lauren, with the process of, of only going through the traumatic memories and trying to find more and more meaning. Like it, it seemed to me in my own process as a client and with working with other clients that, you know, you start to feel disempowered when you don't step beyond your woundedness or what's hurt you into the transformation of what is the gift in this? What can I do now with it to help others to contribute? And you know, it led me to start a podcast, All Things Therapy, where I engage with other people and talking about healing and transformation. And then beyond that, to look at our deepest woundings and vulnerabilities as real opportunities to transform and be empowered. And that's what my book is about. Ooh, I love that. And it sounds so juicy and full of the just the life information that we need to know because we can park in our pain. A lot of us park in our pain and it's not a good place to be. That's so well said. I hadn't thought of it like that. And I think it's, I talk in my book about, um, you know, when you put your hand on a hot stove, we naturally recoil from that and then kind of harbor this sense of, oh, like that was bad. And like you're saying, if we stay too long and, and that is bad, it starts to create in our lives undesired outcomes and patterns that we don't have true consciousness over. And we might close down our heart's capacity to love and have empathy and be open to others instead of really understanding why that hurt us, why it didn't feel good, and continuing to be open to love. And so the book is, is set upon principles of healing our core wounds through astrology, empathy, and self-forgiveness to move forward in our lives, to be all of who we are and Ooh. not just parts of it. Oh, yes. That permission to be your whole self, your whole, yes. whole self, the good, the bad, the beautiful, right? <laughs> Everything in between. Well, I guess this brings me to my next question because you had, we went ahead and we mentioned this earlier, but what is psychoastrology? Well, psychoastrology is a term that I coined in my book and trademarked having to simply do with where our personal psychology meets our natal or our birth chart astrology. And for me, as a psychotherapist, I see astrology as a symbolic language, and it's a snapshot of where planets and, and such were when we were born. And that information is the symbolic language of kind of like a blueprint for us to understand some of our deeper patterns and propensities, and yet it's changeable. We have free will, and we have personal responsibility that we can take steps to change the things about ourselves that that don't serve us to be our happiest or at our best. So I see the astrological component as, as a diagnostic point, particularly Chiron. Chiron was discovered in astronomy in 1977 as a minor planet and comet, and it had an odd, or it has an elliptical orbit that was the first of its kind in the centaur class. Mm. And 
that's significant because we see Chiron in Greek mythology. He was the centaur who was the founding father of the healing and medical arts that Carl Jung spoke about in his archetypology of the wounded healer and our collective unconscious. And then we see Chiron in astrology as marking the place in our birth chart. Chiron is found in an astrological sign like Gemini, Libra, Scorpio, Pisces, and also in an astrological house, 1 through 12, which denotes the area of our lives that our vulnerabilities or core wounds manifest, meaning is that in your self-esteem? Is it in your health and its associated routines? Is it in the work sector or your intimate partnerships? And so by understanding where we're vulnerable, we can really strategically focus our healing efforts to strengthen ourselves in the places where we feel vulnerable, where we feel shame or want to hide or like we're not good enough. We can really come to terms with that. And so we're not feeling the shame and less than. Does that make sense, Lauren? Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I assume that then it just carries the different energies depending on which sign it's in and also which house it's in. So it's almost like a two-layered approach, correct? It is. Okay. It is. So if I were to tell you that I have Chiron in my ninth house in the sign of Gemini, what does that tell you? Okay. So Chiron in Gemini has to do with a core wounding and empathetic attunement. And what that means is that, you know, we learn to attune empathetically to ourselves because our caretakers did that first and foremost, that when we were upset, they gave us the appropriate loving attention. And sometimes people aren't given that loving attention when they're young. And so you learn to kind of disconnect from being empathetic towards yourself. You might be really harsh to yourself. You might overly develop your intellect as a way to cope. Um, you might not, you won't feel seen or heard and have a hard time expressing your own thoughts and feelings, you might even feel like they don't matter. Mm. And so I'm just, I'm looking through the chapter to find some, you know, I talk about how you may have been criticized or ridiculed or shamed by an authority figure, which resulted in low self-worth and self-esteem. So you might even devalue or compare yourself to others and, and seem to always come up short versus, you know, that everyone's in a different place in their lives. And, you know, comparing to others isn't the best gauge. It's like comparing yourself to you and who you want to be. And am I doing better today than yesterday even? Mm. And so healing for that wound, the Chiron and Gemini has to do with really accepting where you are right now and embracing who you are here and now that I am good enough, really learning to accept yourself with compassion and empathy, extending that empathy to yourself, like really noticing your own improvements that, hey, I did a really good job today. Last year, I wouldn't have been able to do this and really continue to coach yourself into better feeling places about yourself and really honor your own feelings, your own intuition, and start to cultivate relationships with people that do see you, where you do feel heard. Is this resonating with you at all? Oh my gosh. Yes, it is. And, I, and I'll and i just give the audience as well as you a, a breakdown as to where this resonates. 
So as a kid, I, I never felt like I was heard. Um, never. It was always wow. like I could be talking and then someone just starts talking over me. Right. Mm. And then I would have, um, teachers. I had a couple of teachers who would, I struggled at math. I am not a math person. Never have been, never will okay. be. And she had just told me like that I should have been in like special education classes for math. Oh my gosh. Right. And I was just like, Oh, like it just like those look like those little images, right. Just like put you down. And it's funny that you say this, be okay with where you're at, because when I really start to kind of, I was probably my Saturn return when this actually really started to happen. Um, when I really start to look inwards, right. And kind of hit that moment of life of like, I can't continue on of the cycle. I actually realized it was my own negative self-talk that was really mm. holding me back. And I had to start telling myself, I am worthy. I am enough. Like it just started with those two mantras every single day until I start to change that language inside of my head of yes, where I wasn't at and where I could be, but wasn't, you know, it's like, oh, if this wouldn't have happened to me, I could have been here. And then just starting to really honor those things that happened to me. And seeing them as lessons and also stepping stones to get me deeper and further on my journey than I wouldn't have been without them. Oh, that's beautiful. And that you started to self-affirm, you know, naturally seeing this, this gap of, of, you know, identifying, remembering the pain of not being seen and heard and talked over and starting to see and hear yourself. Right. Absolutely. It was definitely like an internal thing. Like I can't expect someone else to do it. I have to do it for myself first. Yeah. And then the ninth house that this placement falls in for you has to do with issues of higher education, your life philosophy and worldview. It has to do with even politics, religion, foreign travel, and, and really like educating yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, and for you, it's important to educate others, to educate yourself. And you have this, this show, Master Your Mind, Business and Life. So clearly you are ninth house oriented to really want to disseminate useful information to help people shape their worldview. Does that resonate with you? Yes. It's so fascinating too, because I don't think that I had linked those two together either. Yeah. And just for our listeners to know that that you find the house placement of Chiron, if you know the time that you were born and not everyone knows that. So just having your date of birth and your place of birth, you will be able to know the sign that Chiron is in, which identifies one of 12 core wounds or areas of vulnerability. And that can be enough to know, to know what, you know, is the pattern that you might, the thoughts that you've thought over and over and over that cause you to believe certain things about yourself that, that limit our mm. possibilities. And so it's okay if you don't know the time of birth to get the house placement, it's enough to know the sign your Chiron is in, yeah. to be able to use the affirmations I offer in my book and the practical takeaway steps and to have a deeper understanding for yourself. And if you're in a relationship, taking the date that you, you know, your first date or when you got married, whatever resonates and finding out the Chiron of your relationship, the Chiron of your business, like the day you incorporated, if you're an LLC, you can plug that in my interactive website and it generates, you know, where you might be vulnerable in your business, in your relationship, et cetera. So you can use this tool to really look at, at other areas of your life in addition to yourself. 
Now, I know with some planets or asteroids, they may be slow moving or fast moving. Is Chiron one of the faster paced ones or is it slower? Like it's not a generational thing, correct? No, it's Chiron slower. It moves through each sign. It spends about about eight years in each oh, okay. sign. Okay. So it takes a while. So that's why kind of if you if you're friends with similar aged people, all your chirons are probably in the same sign, but then your house placement might be different. The manifestation of where this core wounding shows itself could be in different sectors of each of your lives. Makes so much sense. It makes a lot yeah. of sense. And it makes sense too as to why different generations almost have like different types of healing that they have to to focus on. Yes. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I go into that that in my book with certain placements of Chiron of generations that address certain issues and themes and really change culture and, and laws that, you know, were put into place. So that's all in the book too. Those generational changes that happen as a result of Chiron. Oh, so good. Now, how does one really begin to heal their core wounds? Now, I know I said I talked through mine, but I'm I'm a self-learner and very motivated doer. I, I know not everyone is built like me. So how do we really, really, I mean, on that deep level, begin to heal that core wound? Sure. I love that question. And I've been getting comments lately from friends that have read my book that I think expected it to read like a novel. And I've been getting texts like, wow, like I'm going through just a few pages a day and journaling and like the prompts and questions are so helpful. It's, it's, it's different than what I expected because I do guide you through a process of spending time setting aside, say 15, 20 minutes a day with the book. And I prompt you to reflect on some of your own memories, starting from a place of safety, emotional safety, where, you know, you might get a a candle that you light while you read and and a journal. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of document your own, uh, archived experiences as you start to reflect on them and meditate upon them and connect the dots for yourself. And I lead you very gently through a process of change. And, you know, it's a really well laid out step-by-step guide through um, things that, that I hope will resonate with you. Oh, I love that. And I love a good journal exercise. (laughs) Yeah, it really helps you just mentally walk through and it helps you get it out of your head and onto paper. And you can also examine those stories that you've been telling yourself as well. That's the most important part of this is that it is the thoughts that we think that then repeated thoughts create our beliefs. And then that's kind of the frequency and orbit that we live in. We habituate people, places, and things based upon what we believe is true for us. We get comfortable in that orbit, I call it, where we orbit other people, places, and things, and they orbit us. I call that the Chiron effect. And it's based Mm -hmm. upon what we believe is true. And a lot of areas of our lives are working really well and we love them. But there's usually an area or two where we're like, huh, like, you know, I'd really love to have more financial abundance. I'd really love to be in a loving relationship, for example. And so it's by changing our thoughts about those areas, believing that we are worthy of more money, believing that we're worthy of love, and then creating new thoughts to support our desired outcome. And so that's what my book is is laying out and helping you come to terms with and creating those new outcomes for yourself. 
Oh, I love that. Now, Lisa, have you found that when working with people, a lot of their core wounds stem from childhood? You know, I think that, I mean, I've been a therapist over 20 years. So in my experience, most of my clients I've worked with through this 20 year plus career come in with issues in the here and now that when we start to explore them and look at the deeper layers do come from things that they learned about themselves and about life in their childhoods. It's when I talk in my book about memory imprints and it's these memory imprints that we carry with us from our childhood into our adult lives and we create patterns around them. And Mm -hmm. so it's by really understanding, you know, in part, how these patterns were created and healing, you know, the wounds of abandonment, of neglect, when there's been sexual abuse and trauma or violence, really having to go back to the wounded inner child and and give him, her, or them permission to really feel their experience with tenderness and love and being witnessed. And then from there, it's, it's creating the new meaning about ourselves. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Adequately. And I yeah. wonder what you think. Yeah, I can, I can see how that can be really painful too, to go back if you have had, you know, a very traumatic experience, especially in childhood, to go back to that inner child and almost just like lovingly embrace them. And like, I can, I can just imagine how difficult that, that practice must be. You know, it, it is at first. And at the same time, I'm having this uh, thought right now to liken it to when you have like a, a sprained ankle, for mm-hmm. instance, and you know, you wince, like when you put weight on it, you wince. And so you spend a lot of energy and effort not putting weight on that ankle. Right. And it's similar with our psychology and with our, with our experiences. If we're constantly trying to protect an area where we feel a lot of pain, you know, your psychic energy, your emotional, sexual, intellectual energy are all going to like, not, not tweak that sprained ankle. And it takes you out of the moment of your life. It takes you away from the present moment. You're just trying to protect and not be in pain versus how can I be happy today? What else can I do to expand? Does that make sense? Oh my goodness. That makes so much sense. And I think that's a a great analogy too, of just knowing that there is pain there and just not really wanting to, to press on it or put the weight on it or the pressure on it. Because we try not to live in pain every day. We don't want to remember those pain. And I think healing is something that we all want, right? Like it's, it's one of those desires. It's almost like we all want to be loved. We all want to be fed, clothed. But there is, whether we're conscious of it or not, this desire of healing to not be in pain anymore. Exactly. And the way to pain relief, the way to happiness is through is through the doorway of what feels like intense pain. There's so much information there that wants to be shared with us. Like what a question you can ask yourself if you are in a situation that's causing some pain for you right now is what does this situation want to educate me about? What does it want to let me know about? It could be, you know, that you, um, someone violated your boundaries and that you need to learn to set stricter boundaries or stronger boundaries so that people know, you know, how to treat you, where to cross, where not to cross. So it's a real invitation to learn what do we need to do to beef up our skills if we, di- if we don't have them. And so that can be really empowering because then you okay. start to feel into what I can do versus what I can't do. 
Yes. And that's way more empowering to know what you can do and what you do want and where you do want to go. Yes, absolutely, Uh, Lauren. Yeah, we just walk on that path sometimes of autopilot. And I think a lot of times we're just not conscious that we're in that mode of autopilot until either something really big happens to kind of stop us in our tracks or we get just over it. You know, just that point where it's like, I'm done with this. And why do you think it takes us to get to like one of these points in life that just are almost a wake up call for change? You know, I think it's different for different people, but I know even for myself, it's it's nice to be in the flow of life and you want to keep moving forward. So we might employ defense mechanisms like minimizing how we really feel about something or someone. So I think it's it's kind of um, evolutionary that that we want to keep going and yet we'll be able to keep going with more purpose and more ease if we take some time to be with the parts of ourselves that need our attention, that needs healing, that need mm-hmm. to be listened to and heard versus suppressed or repressed or told even really harshly, like, shut up. You know, the things we tell ourselves sometimes are very unkind. And so yeah. my book is an invitation to learn to be truly a loving coach to yourself and then be able to extend that to others when they fall out of their alignment and they're acting from their wounds, you know, to be able to be more gentle with each other. Yes, because, you know, we can never control the other person, but we can always control our reaction. And we forget right. that sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I talk about that in one of the chapters about being responsive instead of reactive, that when Mm -hmm. we're triggered, you know, when someone steps on an area where, you know, psychologically, emotionally, like they don't know there's a landmine there, or maybe they know and they intentionally push that button and we become reactive, you know, we can choose to pause. I go through an exercise that you can learn to slow down your reactivity so that you can choose instead to respond with things like, Hey, I need, I need a minute with that. You know, that touched a hot button. I need to take some time before I reply to you. So you're not escalating the situation into the spot where neither people are being heard. And that happens Mm -hmm. so often, I think, instead of taking a time out to understand what's come up with for you and be able to respond to it in a more healthy and productive way. Oh, yes. That's so big. I've noticed that with myself sometimes where if I feel like read an email or, you know, sometimes a lot of people get triggered on social media. That's like a big driver for them. They see something you almost can't help but to react. I have now instilled this like 24 hour rule in myself or a you need to sleep on it rule where I know that if I see an email and maybe it like wasn't written with the best tone or it's like, you know, gets me a little fired up. It's just, okay, I'm going to approach this tomorrow when I've had time. I love that. So just kind of let it go through your body, right? Like feel all of the emotions of it and then just release it. But I also know if I'm going to reply back in that moment, more than likely I'm going to be a keyboard warrior, you know, and I'm not going yeah. to be my best self. I'm not going to have the best tone or maybe even choose the best words to use. And I know that that's not in alignment with my best self. Therefore, why put that energy out into the world? So it's just kind of like pause, an email can wait, a response can wait. If you see something on social media, swipe out of the app. It, it It doesn't take as much energy to walk away from it than it does to like go all in and rah, be crazy about it. 
You know, you're right, Lauren. And one of the things I suggest to clients and I have done myself so many times that can be helpful is, you know, text messaging as well. We can fly off the handle and send back very reactive texts. And so what I've started to do and share with others is open a text message to yourself. So if you accidentally hit send, it goes to you and not them. And really just from your gut, like say everything you want to say is as rude or whatever as it is and send it to yourself. So you're having the experience of sending a text, but then you can read it. And 10 out of 10 times, I don't send that text to its Mm. intended recipient. Then you can copy and paste it and start to edit it down to what really needs to be said here once you take some time and it helps you get to what really is important. And oftentimes there might not be a text that I need to send at all. Like the first one I sent to myself because you kind of work through it. Right. Does that make sense? And it's really effective because you're actually texting, but you're sending it to yourself first to see if this is what you really want to say to someone. Cause most likely it's not. Yeah. And I'm sure when you read it back too, you're like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. eat my words a little bit. And I love the fact of just going back and editing it, but also seeing like, I think when it sends back to yourself too, like imagine I, I at least this is what I would do. Like imagine that's coming from the other person. Like, yeah. How would I read that as myself? That's and a good point. I yeah. love that lens. That's a great exercise. Thank you. Yeah, that's so great. Now we had touched on earlier, you said that Chiron, of course, because we have natal charts or birth charts for relationships, businesses, I would assume that's the same for cities or countries as well, correct? It is true. Like when the United States, when the Declaration of Independence was signed, that the United States has an astrological chart and a Chiron placement. And I have an appendix chapter, a last chapter in my book pertaining to that, that I wrote before the election, predicting that we are really ready for for change and that I saw um, the first female president or vice president being elected, which came to pass. And so it's interesting to, yeah, like understand cities, you know, like have a Chiron placement where there's an area that they neglect or, you know, in extreme cases, wound. Like in the United States, it has to do with a core wounding in the house having to do with family, thinking of the United States as a family, which mm. which we are collectively, and how we neglect the needs of our own citizens, our own inhabitants, though we rush to aid the world, you know, in foreign yes. countries that like our school systems and many rural and and very urban areas are you know not working the kids don't have books there's not adequate plumbing and the healthcare system and our environments and just how you know we neglect some of our citizens most basic needs to to rise to the occasion of others yes. so that's that was really interesting to learn that is fascinating because i think as any american can probably attest we know that that's true. Like we, we see it happening and it's not like we, we don't want to help our fellow neighbor, but it's like, well, why aren't we helping ourselves? Like I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it like inner city schools or like very rural schools. One of my friends is a teacher there and they had to shut the school down because there was oh. black mold everywhere. Oh, that's and terrible. You're just, yeah. And you're like, it's been there for a while, but it took a child getting extremely sick 
for the, yeah. for it to be, you know, oh, now let's do something about it. And you're just like, these are, this is our future. This is our future generation. How yes. are we doing this to them? Yeah, absolutely, Lauren. Yes. Do you find that, so let's say I moved to a city where the Chiron was in Gemini, the start of the city. Does that amplify the energy for me then? You know, that's a good question. And I don't know that it would or not. I think that would depend upon your own personal relationship to your, you know, Chiron wounding versus healing. And, you know, I think things are only amplified in us when we give our attention to them. So I think it's really what you choose to do with that area of your life. I love that outlook. I was just curious of if it had like an energetic vibration to it or not, or if there's something that you should pay attention to, but that makes sense. Like if you're on your healing journey, maybe it shouldn't impact you as harshly as if you were in your trauma-based Definitely. That's what I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Lisa, you are just full of so much information. Will you tell us where our audience can go to get your book and where they can connect with you further? Yes, Lauren. Thank you so much for that. I would love for people to, for your listeners, our listeners to get my book. It's available at all major retailers like Barnes and Noble, Books A Million and Walmart, uh, walmart walmart.com. Um, Amazon and my website where I have a link to read about my book some more and some detail to see if you know it's of interest to you after hearing this time we've had together. You can go to nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy, N-O-L-A. T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. There are links to the retailers to order my book. There's a link to my podcast, All Things Therapy, on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. I have over 230 episodes and as well as an online class that you can take having to do with empowerment, I-N-powerment, sourcing from within yourself and bringing forward your own unique gifts. Oh, I love it. You are doing the dang thing, Lisa. You are a world shifter. I love it. You've also just been a ray of light. I've learned so much. I can't wait to read your book so I can dig dive deeper into my own healing journey. And I know and hope our audience has the same. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I appreciate you and your time and your audience so much, Lauren. Thank you. I'm looking forward to reading Lisa's book. I hope you grab a copy too. I've linked her website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. While we're getting social, be sure that we're connected. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at mindbizlife. You know I also love your five-star ratings and reviews that you leave on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in and turn it up. I'll see you back here on Friday for an episode of Fuel Your Life Friday, but until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.